So as you know, we now have exposition. It's obviously something that uh, people may stay for this hour that we call a holy hour. You may stay for a short time and go home, or of course you may stay for the whole time. Welcome to all of those who are watching through the live streaming. Know that you are in our prayers. And during this holy hour, we offer it in a particular way for vocations. We're grateful to God for the vocations that St. Joseph continues to sprout. We pray for all the parishes that there be an openness to the call, to all of the main vocations that our Lord does in fact call us, marriage, priesthood, consecrated life, religious life, and the single life. We pray for the elderly priests, those who are alone and suffering, who are sick and abandoned. We pray for the priests who have lived faithfully many years of service. We saw some of them on the altar for the funeral for Mr. Bass, including two of our former pastors. Perhaps here at the beginning, you could think through the different priests that have gone through your own lives. Probably you can't remember the priest who baptized you, but and probably he's not alive anymore. But you can pray for him and thank him for bringing you into the church. And then through the sacraments to this present time, so many hands that have sacrificed themselves for the good of so many souls. The priests who live in the mission fields, who have 14 parishes that are scattered around the state, the size of the state of North Carolina, in a jeep, and just go from one place to another. Maybe they only get to say Mass in different places once a month, and then they try to do confessions and try to do the baptisms try to do the weddings and then try to organize the Holy Week. Huh. No easy task. We pray for them. We pray for those who live in very affluent areas in this country, in Europe, in Western, the Western world, that they will find the way to penetrate into the hearts of their faithful for the priests who dedicate themselves to study, to teach, to learn. We had one in our midst, Pope Benedict, a great teacher, who is now coming towards the end of his life after so many years of service. And it's not to forget to pray for Pope Francis, who was a priest and needs our prayers as he continues to head this beautiful but broken church. I'll share a reflection with you titled To Be Hidden From One To Be Hidden From Myself. In order to enter the fullness of the hidden life, 
It is not enough to hide oneself from the attention of others. We must also hide from ourselves, that is, forget ourselves, avoiding all excessive concern about ourselves. We can be preoccupied with self not only from a material point of view, but also from a spiritual point of view. To be overly concerned about one's spiritual progress, about the consolations which God gives or does not give, about the state of aridity in which one may be, all this is often the sign of a subtle spiritual egotism, a sign that the soul is more occupied with itself than with God. We must learn to forget ourselves, to hide from ourselves by refusing to examine too minutely what is happening within our soul and by not attaching too much importance to it, renouncing even the satisfaction of wanting to know the exact condition of our own spiritual life. It is well to understand that God often permits painful, obscure states just because he wants the soul to live hidden from itself. This was the aim of St. Teresa Margaret's program of self-effacement. She intended not only to hide, as it were, hidden and unnoticed among her sisters, but to be in a certain manner hidden and unknown to herself, to die to herself without knowing it and without feeling any pleasure in this mystical spiritual death, burying in Christ the very subtle way, every thought, every personal reflection, even in the spiritual and eternal order. This is what complete forgetfulness of self explicitly proposes to one who renounces even the spiritual satisfaction of recognizing his own immolation. But in order to avoid turning one's thoughts inward, the soul must focus its aspirations elsewhere. Hence the negative exercise of not thinking of itself must accompany the positive exercise of fixing its center in Christ, of burying in Christ every thought, every preoccupation with self, even in the spiritual order. No one can succeed in turning away from himself unless he concerns all his attention on the object of his love. St. Teresa Margaret completely forgot herself, her thoughts were absorbed in Christ, her well-beloved. Maybe we can spend a moment asking ourselves uh, if we are on a good track when it comes to living this Lent. Maybe these lessons we've seen here could be applied to a soul overly concerned about what they're giving up, what they're doing the special way during Lent, and therein beginning to lose sight of Christ.
This is, I'm sure, a danger for all of us, especially as we are advanced or we are maybe more advanced than some because of the the gifts that we have received, the gift of knowledge, the gift of practicing the faith, the gift of persevering where we are at in our lives. And God is saying to us today, be hidden, hide from your, your mere self. Which doesn't mean we become like this empty person who doesn't feel experience or have emotions or feel sad, angry, happy or upset. But the soul doesn't get intertwined with all those things. It's free. There's a freedom. There's a freedom that we have learnt to love and live Jesus was free. He lived free. He was so free. How free are we of ourselves? We know well when we're in front of someone who's not free. They're they're stuck. And I give the obvious things could be like a football player who's, you know, the greatest football player ever and he's sort of full of himself. You know right away. There are obvious examples, right? But then there are more subtle ones. Could be a priest. Could be a priest who, who thinks, well, he knows it all and he's been around a long time and he's, he's seen it all anyway and he knows what he's going to do and he's not really going to ask anyone's opinion and he's just going to do it. We've all come across those examples and we've, we have been those examples. Like I'm sure many a time I have been... A, a priest that has been selfish and just egotistical. But God has a good way of, you know, making you fall and realize, oh, God, I'm so stupid. A soul entirely oblivious of itself is also completely disinterested. It no longer serves God in a mercenary spirit, with more regard for the reward which it may receive than for his glory, but it is at his service, according to St. Teresa's beautiful expression, gratuitously, as great lords serve their king. This should be the attitude of an interior soul called by God to a life of intimacy with him. Such one should act not as a hireling, but as a daughter or a spouse. Here we have one of the most beautiful fruits of the hidden life. St. John of the Cross teaches that more pleasing to God is one good work however small it be, that is done in secret with no desire that it be known than a thousand that are done with the desire that they be known to men. For he that with purest love does does such works for God's sake not only cares nothing to have men see him, but does them not even that God himself may see him. 
Such a man, even though God were never to know him, would not cease to render him the same service with the same joy and purity of love. We find this same delicate thought in St. Therese of the child Jesus. If the good God himself were not to see my good deeds, which is impossible, I would not be disturbed. I love him so much that I would want to please him without his knowing that it is I who am doing it. I've said this here before, but I can use the story again. I was on the streets of Los Angeles and I met this man. His name was Jimmy. Jimmy was as old as the oldest one here with a long white beard and dressed in rough, tattered clothes. And we were talking. I couldn't hear him well, but well enough that I knew I wanted to speak to him again. So I said, I want to see you again. Where will I meet you? And he said, I'm between Broadway and 4th. I'm always there during the day. So I went down a few times, never got to see him. But eventually, long story short, I I, I met him again. We went and had coffee. And I was walking with him and I realized I didn't have any money. Oh, no. Now he's going to (laughs) pay. And he said, don't worry, Father. Don't worry. I have some money. I'll pay. So, as it turned out, he didn't need to be on the streets. He didn't need to live on the streets. He had recovered from his life of killing people and stabbing people and ripping people off. And he had, he had, he had changed inside prison. And he had come out of prison. And God said to him in prison, I have forgiven you. And now you must go and forgive your brothers. Teach them how to forgive. So he he was spending his life teaching people how to forgive, and he would do that by giving out blankets and you know helping with a little bit of money there. Or, and he would sleep outside. So I arranged for him to come and speak at a parish where I was working at, and. So, so he had a phone, so we texted each other a couple of times. So finally I'm getting in like a day or two before I'm going to pick it. Around this time, actually, during, during Lent, the priest had asked me to bring him. So I said, Jimmy, two days I'll pick you up. Yep. A day before, I, he didn't text me back. And then we never got, we never, we never, it never happened. So I was sort of left, well, I'm not sure what happened, out of, my, out of my hands. Until six, no, two or three weeks later, I got a text from Jimmy. And he said, Father, I am so sorry. I became very ill. My family came to get me. They took me back to Missouri. I'm in hospital with so many tubes in my body. Uh, it doesn't look good. So that's what I received weeks after our, our appointment, and I never heard from him again. So I can only imagine that God took him home. You know, he, he lived this. He didn't do it for glory. He didn't do it for himself. He didn't, he just, that's what God had asked him to do. 
that day in prison, he, uh, he said, can you forgive me? And the Lord said, I can forgive you. You are forgiven. Now go and spread the forgiveness. 